Welcome again to the Brentwood Baptist Life Group Leaders Podcast. I'm here today with Roger Severino, and we're continuing on in the spiritual leadership curriculum travel log, talking about qualifications for spiritual leaders, uh, character development, not just merely skills-based. So I think it's going to be an exciting conversation. Roger's role here in large part is around developing leaders, um, finding leaders, placing leaders, and so forth. So I think he's going to bring a lot to the table today on this podcast. Thanks for being here, Roger. Thank you, Paul. Delighted to be with you. And uh, hello, shout out to all the life group leaders who do such a good, uh, great job every week. And so our text for today is 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. Um, I'll, you guys will have read that on your own. Hopefully your life groups will have led it. So we're just going to dive right in and unpacking the text and uh, whatever Roger wants to bring us. Thanks, Paul. You know, I, I just jotted down kind of just four thoughts that I want to leave our life group leaders with, uh, just some ideas that come out of this passage and that come from the chapter that Dr. Orge wrote. Uh, number one, as Dr. Orge emphasized, you know, qualifications for spiritual leadership is different than the world. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, you can't be a leader in the world and be a leader in the church. I mean, obviously there are some uh, benefits to if you have leadership roles in the world and you've proven those leadership capabilities and, and you're a godly man or woman and that you utilize those same leadership godly qualities in the church, those, those, are, those are great. But at the same time, many times uh, Mike reminds us, you know, when we're um, selecting our um, trustees or other spiritual leaders in the church that we're not looking for just who are the leaders in the secular realm, who are, who are the proven business leaders, that really there are qualities that the scriptures talk about that, that need to be present in the people that we put in positions of spiritual leadership. So we need to just keep that in mind, that spiritual leadership is not necessarily the same thing as leadership out in the world. And that may be obvious, but, uh, but it needs to be said and, and needs to be remembered. Yeah, the person that jumped to my mind as you were talking was Chuck Colson, <laughs> and I guess he technically failed on both fronts, at least initially, uh, so that he was in the Watergate scandals with Nixon, and then through that, though, had a radical transformation of character to become the kind of person you're talking about, where it's not just managing or being a hatchet man for a president, but became this figure who wanted to see people restored and come to the knowledge of the of the Godhead and all the great prison ministry and culture wars that he battled with over the secular humanist societies um not the particular organization secular humanist society but just our society as generally humanist but he would be an example i mean he was a great hatchet man he got taken down to watergate but he wasn't ready for church work he wasn't ready for uh the kingdom work and then but god made him god made him that yeah that's right great this the second thought that i had coming out of this passage and, and actually from the theme of spiritual leadership that we've been promoting here is that there's a tension between every member ministry and the need for healthy church leadership meaning you have to have both is what i, is I guess what i'm trying to say if you only emphasize uh, church leadership, uh, then you end up with clericalism, where the pastors uh, end up doing all the work. Well, that's that's not biblical. You know, we the the passage in Ephesians four that we've been studying, and these other passages remind us that every uh, believer has been gifted, and and every believer has influence and should use it to um, uh, for for God's glory and for the benefit of the church and for the benefit of others. And so, uh, on the other hand, as we know from this passage in 1 Timothy 3 and from other places, yes, there is, God does establish leaders in the church. And that even though we believe in ever, every member ministry, that doesn't take away the fact that, yes, the, 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 the call here is for 
uh, for the church to establish leaders. So just remember that there's a tension here. The focus of this study has primarily been the every member ministry part, because we want people to know that they are spiritual leaders. Um, we don't want people in the pew thinking this this study doesn't apply to me. We want them to let, let them know it applies to them. But at the same time, we don't want to communicate that so strongly that we negate to also emphasize, as First Peter 3 does and other passages, that God does raise up certain leaders for the church, and there are certain qualities and qualifications for those. And you may be going here next, but uh, what are your thoughts on people who aren't ready yet? You know, uh, I would say, well, this, you know, actually, th- 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 that's a great segue. Thank you, Paul. He didn't know where I was going next, but this, this, um, this is a great se- segue for my, for my next point, and I'll try to answer Paul's questions as I do this. Uh, number three, my point was these qualities in First Peter First th- Timothy 3 are not for the spiritually elite, but qualities every believer should pursue. So when, when you look through that First Peter 3, don't think through, oh, okay, well, the spiritual elite, you know, the trustees in our church, the deacons in our church, the pastors in our church, they have to have these, but— but I'm, you know, I'm exempt somehow. None of those qualities. The only one that I can think of is he only talked about one skill as relates to the elders. He talked about the, uh, the ability to teach. All right, let, let's put that in parentheses for a second and set it aside. All the other character qualities are things that every believer pursues. So that's, to me, it, it's almost Paul is saying, hey, these are minimum standards. These are, these are we, we just need to make sure that the people you put in leadership have these, you know? We just need to make sure that they don't fall below these standards. So these aren't for the spiritual elite. Now, your question, what if, what if you're not ready for spiritual leadership? There, there are a lot of reasons people may not be ready. Number one, they may need to work on their character to, to be more godly. Number two, the scriptures talk about let not a new convert be put into position of leadership. So maybe you're new to the faith, or you need, just need to allow time and maturity to, uh, to have its way in your life. Um, and then sometimes there is a season of waiting and patience that we, we we wait on the Lord if if we do aspire to a spiritual leadership, which is not necessarily negative. You know, in fact, here uh, Paul says that those who aspire to be elders and uh, desire are desiring something good, that it's noble. You know, that it's a noble thing. Now you can have a. It kind of all goes back to motivation, right? You know, if you're desiring to be in a position of leadership so you can use it for your own gain or your own. Uh, power-hungry uh, uh, reasons, then, then that certainly is not a good thing. But if you're using it because you want to serve God and to benefit the church and benefit his people, then that, that's, a, that's a noble thing. I really like page 63. Let me double-check. Yeah, page 63. It's about the one, two, third paragraph. And talking about, about choosing these people. So part of being a life group leader is discerning on your leadership team and empowering your participants and your group members to leadership positions. And Orge says that uh, we choose people who are making steady progress, not trying to be a model perfection or not trying to model perfection. The issue is not have you arrived, it's are you on your way. Leaders are examples of growth, people who are progressing in character development. Exemplary progress, not perfection, is a selection standard. And I think that's part of what you're getting at is that these are our baseline minimum standards. Are people exemplifying these and are they progressing to a more Christ-like attitude, and if they are, then we can begin to, and I stress, begin to entrust them with more ministry responsibilities. 
Absolutely. Thank you, Paul. That's that's great. Because even, yeah, though I said these are kind of minimum standards, I was saying that more because I wanted to emphasize that that these are qualities everyone, every believer is called to. But but you're right. We're all progressing. Absolutely. Thank you for that. That That's a necessary point that uh, none of us have arrived. I certainly haven't, but but we're all progressing. in these Yeah. Areas. And so as you have these people sitting in your life groups who say, ah, I'm not up to snuff on this attribute or this character, then you as a leader can say, hey, you're trying, you're striving to hit the mark, you know, not miss the mark as sin is, but you're striving to hit the mark. You're striving to be more like Christ. Let's continue to work and as we empower them and entrust more ministry to them. Great stuff. So what's your last point? My last point here, Paul, is that, and, and Dr. Orge hits this, and, and the text hits this, is that it seems to be three main areas that Paul is concerned uh, about uh, the qualities and qualifications for spiritual leaders. One is character, two is family, three is reputation. So let me just very briefly touch on all three of those. Uh, number one, character. Yes, there are certain character qualities that that spiritual leaders should have. Uh, uh, they're required, certainly for those in position of leadership, um, at least progressing in those areas. Um, but even every believer, no one can say, hey, I'm kind of exempt from that. I'm not a trustee. I'm not a deacon. You know, really, these are all qualities that other parts of Scripture say that really are fruit of the Spirit and really should be ev- evident in the life of a believer. Uh, number two is family. And, and here, I think, I think a pastoral word needs to be said here. Yes, uh, I, I love the principle and obviously agree with the principle Paul makes that, that you know, leadership needs to be demonstrated first at home before it is demonstrated in a wider, uh, more all-encompassing place like the church. Um, I will say, however, that once again, as you mentioned, Paul, it, it is progression. You know, there are no perfect families. You know, um, it, I know many great spiritual leaders. It's not what I've heard about the Severinos. <laughs> I believe in the Severinos are, are, are example uh, A, uh, that there are no uh, no perfect families. And, you know, there, there are part, parts of, of seasons of life where even our own family uh, and other people's families where, you know, kids may go through seasons of, of rebellion or show lack of interest in spiritual things. And, you know, and especially for, for uh, I think about so many pastors who have boys and, you know, sometimes those boys can be rambunctious and, and, you know, and, and not easy to control, so to speak, uh, because they're boys. Right. And so, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that, that, uh, certainly that, that there's no struggles uh, with these families. It's, we're not, I don't think, I think the principle here is not so much that we can, um, uh, uh, guarantee the results of our leadership at home, but at least we are responsible for leading. Uh, leading our family, leading our children, leading leading our spouses in a way that that would honor God, and then the third area is uh, a good reputation with outsiders. And a lot of times we don't think about that, but you know I think that's really key. That not only should someone have a good reputation in the church, but you know what is their reputation out in the community? Now, if they're being persecuted because of their faith and you know uh, or something, okay, that, all right, that may be a little different. But you know someone who. Um, is seen out in their business world or maybe out in the community as being particularly harsh or unethical. And even those, even though those maybe traits aren't seen in the church, I think those things have to be considered. So I do think that, uh, that sometimes our reputation with outsiders, because they're the ones who are going to be picking at church leaders sometimes, and let's not give them a, a target to, to, to shoot for. Once again, we're not talking about perfection here, but, but uh, I do think that the wisdom of Paul sharing, hey, they should have a good reputation with those on the outside. So those are my four thoughts, Paul. 
And can you run through the four real quick again? Absolutely. Bullet Absolutely. Bullet point here. Qualifications for spiritual leaders are different than the world, number one. Number two, uh, there's a tension in Scripture between ever, every member ministry and the need for healthy church leadership. Number three, these qualities are not for the spiritually elite, but qualities every believer should pursue. And number three, there are three main areas that are addressed in these texts. Uh, character, family, and reputation. All right, so with respect to these character traits uh, for spiritual leaders, how have you utilized them or uh, sought to exemplify them in your personal life? You know, I, I'll be honest, I don't know if I've ever gone to First Timothy 3 and said, hey, you know, let me look at these character traits one by one, although, although I have done studies of this, of this passage and, and thought about, you know, how I... Uh, how I exemplify them. But, you know, I, I think to me it's more, you know, how am I growing more like Christ? What are the what are the fruit of the Spirit in my life based on Galatians 5, uh, 22 and 23? Um, and, of course, many of these things um, overlap a lot of the other commands in Scripture. You I mean, I look at this list being above reproach, self-control, sensible, respectable, hospitable, not addicted to wine— Gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy, not a new convert. Um, you know, uh, of course, not a new convert is not something you control. You're either a new believer or you're not. So that's not a, that's less of a character issue. But all the other ones have something to say, I think, about our character. So I, I don't know if I'm answering your question, Paul, but other than to say that if we're pursuing Christ and uh, submitting to the Spirit's work in our lives— I think it's more of a natural outgrowth, and these become litmus tests often. That's what I usually tell people about the fruit of the Spirit. It's not so much that you grit your teeth and you pursue love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's more about, hey, if I'm submitting my life to God, if I'm allowing His Spirit to work in my life, if I'm pursuing Christ and Christ's likeness, I begin to see these things as evidence of that. And so, um, you know, I, I think... I guess that's how I'd answer that question. I think that's really good. I know Mike is apt to say that the fruit is what comes out of the tree, not the stuff you pump into the tree. And so it's a category error or maybe a sequential error to try to stuff ourselves full of these qualifications. Okay, now I'm ready for leadership. Whereas what you're indicating is more of a submissive heart to let Christ, let the Holy Spirit do a work in you. And then these are our litmus tests as we start exemplifying these features of character. We can say, okay, I'm, I'm, these are like milestones or road markers for us as we're developing in our Christ-likeness and our Christ-like attitudes. That's right, because look at it. I mean, this is this is character. It's not they're not skill sets. So notice that Paul doesn't say that. Hey, develop in your uh, vision casting. Develop in your ability to manage things. Although he does talk about managing your family, but and not that those things are wrong. Those things are, are good. We should be pursuing those things. But but really, you know, if we're pursuing Christ, the 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 number one qualification for these spiritual leaders really is character. And you can't compromise on character. It doesn't matter how much skill a, a person may have of, of you know, leadership. Really, if, if they don't have these qualities, they really don't, uh, really shouldn't be in positions of leadership in the church. Yeah, and we certainly want competency. We want talent at these things. Sure. But like you say, it seems like character, it seems like competency can be built in easier mm-hmm. than character can. Uh, character, I mean, certainly we can manifest habits. Mm-hmm. We can put on a shell and represent good habits, but it's not core to who we are. 
that the kind of character we're talking about here is a work that the divine does in us, that the Holy Spirit does in us to change us. And so we can add skills. We can get more knowledge. We can get more reps. We can uh, get more techniques and strategies on how to reach and teach people well. But uh, unless we have a submissive heart aimed after the kingdom of God, we're not going to get the character that Paul highlights here in this text anyway. Yeah. And, and, you know, I wouldn't say that we, we, we don't factor in competency when, when selecting spiritual leaders. I mean, I, I probably do. I probably think, is this person, in addition to having character, uh, do they have some of the qualities that will, that will help them be a good leader? So, I'm, you know, so it's not that we disregard that, but at the same time, I don't think we can even look at competencies until we really first focus in on the character. Does this person have the character to, to be a spiritual leader? So I, I encourage, or I try to encourage, and Jay as well, and you as you do spring meetings annually with our life group leaders, get a, get a ministry team, get a leadership team, because, um, A, you're not called to do every single function within the community of faith that you're in with the life group. Uh, so just, A, don't wear yourself out. Uh, and then, B, it's just not, I mean, maybe not what you were anointed for. So as leaders are seeking to develop that team, what are some of the ways they might go about doing it in light of this text? You know, I, I think you, you do look at the people in your life group. First of all, you begin with character, because that's where Paul starts uh, in this text to, to Timothy. He's, you know, I look, look at your life group and see who are the people in my group who are pursuing Christ? You know, none of us have arrived, but but they really are showing progress in these areas of character. I think you begin there, and and hopefully that'll be—my my prayer is that there'll be several people in your life group that, that at least meet that first— that first uh, character. Uh, do you criteria? think that primarily comes through stories, through observation? How do you think we, we glean that? If we just see them, like, for instance, uh, worst case scenario, we just see them for an hour on a Sunday morning. Yeah. How are we going to gauge character based off that? That's, you know, that's that's a good, good question. Um, you know, I would think um, we have some insight, uh, you know, but that's a good question. Maybe maybe there's a, a person who's uh, one or two people that you know well enough, that you trust well enough in your life group, who their their knowledge of these other people might be a little bit greater than you. Maybe you bring them into that conversation saying, that's good. saying hey, I think I see this maturity in this person. Uh, it certainly seems like it based on how they're interacting with, with the questions or how they're responding in class. But, you know, there might be one or two people that you know well enough that you've seen their leadership, that you know their character, and bring them into that conversation. Ha- have them help you identify others in your class who who uh, you think might be potential leaders. That's a great idea. Um, you know, and beyond that, you know, of course, keep your eyes open. I mean, I always look at, you know, as a teacher myself, because I, I am I am one of the life group leaders, uh, Steve Layton and I um, are, are co-teaching a group. Um I look for people uh, how how they interact in class and how they pray and how they answer questions. Now, having said that, you got to be careful. Just Bible knowledge by itself is not necessarily a mark of spiritual maturity. I mean, the Pharisees are great examples of that. They knew the Bible backwards and forwards, and yet there was self-righteousness, there was judgmentalism, there were other things that I think would would negate uh their, you know, their spiritual leadership from a Christian perspective. Um so I wouldn't I wouldn't allow knowledge by itself to skew you, but at the same time, I kind of watch people. Um, what is their, 
not not just do they know the right answers, but but how do they interact with others? Are they pastorally sensitive? Do they show mercy? Do they understand God's grace? Do they understand the gospel? And that to me can mean as much or more than a, a lot of head knowledge about the Bible. So those those are just some thoughts. I think those are really good thoughts. It's a value shift. It's a different perspective than, hey, I'm a life group leader or Sunday school teacher here to present a lesson to people. And what you're talking about is a disciple maker, Mm -hmm. someone who's there. Sure, I'm going to bring content every week and I am going to teach a lesson, but I'm also trying to be discerning and observing and I'm fishing in this group of people for who I can invite out, who I can invite out of the larger group and elevate into leadership functions. So it's a it's a different it's a different mindset. So we're not just looking for right answers. Mm-hmm. We're looking for again as Orge says progress. Mm-hmm. We're looking for people who are showing a, a deepening of the gospel, who are showing regularity in their spiritual habits and disciplines, who are who, who make much of the kingdom and make much of Christ. So it's a different it's a different mindset than lesson bringer. That's for right. sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing I do is, is I look how other people respond within the class to each other. I mean, you, as an observer, as, as you said, Paul, we're not just a lesson bringer, content deliverer. We're also pastoral and observers and looking, knowing, knowing our sheep and knowing the flock. And, and part of that observation is see how other people respond to, to, to their fellow, uh, fellow class members, you know, group members, because... A lot of times you can tell that. I, I, I can tell when certain people in my group speak, they have the respect of the others. They, they've, they've kind of, you know, whether they are necessarily the most biblically knowledge in the class or not, there are certain people in our class that just have a certain spiritual depth that when they speak, it just carries a weight. And just be, be aware of that as a, as a, as a leader and as a teacher. And that was going to be doubly hard because you all taught so well on humility last week. You're not going to hear any stories or anything about people doing these uh, <laughs> these great works. I think one of my top five passions for the people of God as I think about them is to become processors and critical thinkers rather than just data storage units. And and I think, I don't know, so I, mean, I don't want to disrespect Jeopardy because there is some thinking that goes on with the clues. But in many ways... It's almost like uh, just the general trivia push. Intelligence equals trivia knowledge. However many bits of information I can pack into your brain, then that's how smart you are. And I think what the Bible's after, what all the great philosophers of the past are after is, can you think well? I mean, uh, particularly particularly in our digital age where you can hop on the Internet and get terabytes of data in a second. Uh, we don't need storage containers well, we need our people who can think the thoughts of Christ and then live out the thoughts of Christ and the power of the Spirit and process their lives in terms of a biblical worldview and in the context of the kingdom of God. Uh, that's what we want. And, of course, the core piece of that is what's their character? <laughs> Do they have the submissive character to be humble and to follow the path of Christ? Absolutely, yeah. And, and yes, and, and the previous week's lesson on humility i think is is right up there i'm i'm that just carries a lot of weight i was i, I was told my class recently that uh i think in many ways humility is the gateway to the other virtues it's not so much that humility in and of itself i mean it it is a great quality obviously but it's i think it's a gateway because think but think about it if you think rightly of yourself and you think if you know your dependence on god you 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 don't have this ego trip that allows you to number 1 um be teachable, number two, to be submissive to God, 
number three, to uh, not lord over people or to be arrogant and self-righteous, but to understand your need for the gospel, the need for grace. So uh, I, I definitely think that uh, that humility uh, is definitely one of the qualities that I'd be looking for. And that memory verse from last week, John fifteen eight or whatever in John 15 that it was, uh, it was just jarring. Christ in that passage, 1 through 8, about the grapevine, the, the, um, him being the root and we being the branches of the vine, commands us to go bear fruit and then tells us that we cannot do it. Mm-hmm. And says, well, here's how you're going to become able to do it, is that you abide and you rest in me. And so I think you're right. Um, I look at the course of history, and it's just a relentless pursuit for personal autonomy. I don't want any God outside of my subjective box to tell me what to do, or I can't have that, or this isn't good for me. It's just the it's the rabid and unsatiable pursuit for me being the determiner of my fate and my fortune. And what we have in the scriptures, and I think you you hit the key, is that humility. We submit to someone outside of our box coming in and saying, hey, that's not what I made you for. That's not what I designed you for. That's not what the kingdom's about. And the humility to submit to that and allow the work to be done on us is what's going to allow us to manifest these traits and character habits that are so necessary for spiritual leadership. Good thoughts, Paul. Yeah, any 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 closing word for the group leaders or? Um, you know, I, I I don't know if I have any closing words beyond the, some of the things I shared. Other than thank you guys for uh, for all that you do, and uh, you know, I, I'm one of your fellow strugglers. I know. Um, what it's like to have to prepare a lesson and then to deliver it and and also to think through beyond just the teaching portions of my class. And yes, we do. We do try to utilize the gifts of those in our class uh, so that uh, Steve and I aren't doing everything. And and we've done, I think, a relatively decent job, although I think um, we could, uh, the class could probably do a little bit better. Maybe we could do a little bit better. But I, but we certainly try to utilize the gifts. But, but I know, you know, we do try to factor in things beyond just the the, the delivering of a, of, a, of a teaching thing and think about the, the discipleship of our people and are they growing beyond just uh, absorbing content and how are they being, how are they and how are we being challenged to grow in Christ-likeness and in being living sent and in spiritual leaders and having a ministry mentality. And I do think one of the nice things about doing this living sent and spiritual leadership back-to-back is I think it really has challenged our people to say, hey, um, we got to be in the game. We can't be in the sidelines. This, these things apply to us, and we have to be ministry-minded. And so um, that's been one of the good fruits, I think, of these studies going back-to-back. And uh, hopefully that's been the same for you guys. And uh, let's continue to raise up uh, laborers for the harvest and, and, uh, and spiritual maturity that, that, uh, that becomes ministry-minded. And so uh, thank you for all you do. And and uh, pray for you, and uh, we look forward to the things God's going to do. Amen.